love what I do. I love the students. I love making a difference in their life. I love when they come over and say, hey, Miss Tony, how you doing? Sometimes I get little notes from, from someone saying, I stopped by to say, hi, how are you, Miss Tony, or whatever it may be. You've made lifelong friends. You've made a difference for people. From Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, this is Techies Today, the Purdue Polytechnic Podcast. I'm John O. At the end of our last episode, you heard a clip from John Gates, Purdue's Vice Provost for Diversity and Inclusion. We are planning a fresh conversation with Dr. Gates in the near future, so please stay tuned for that. Today, we'd like to share a delightful visit with a staff member in our college who has earned the affection of legions of students, past and present. Tony Mongia serves as Director of Recruiting, Retention, and Diversity for Purdue Polytechnic. Spend any time with Miss Tony, as she's known, and you will sense how much she loves our students and how much she loves Purdue. We will learn about Tech 101, the course Tony teaches, and how the course makes a very real difference in our college, especially to the students who enroll in it. You'll hear Tony say that for her students, she feels like their Purdue mom. You might say that Tony has two families, the one at home with her husband and children, of course, and the other with students and alumni in Purdue Polytechnic. Bridget O'Brien and I discovered how the one led directly to the other. Here's Tony Mungia. I started college at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. That's where I met my husband. I was an 18-year-old freshman and first time away from home. It was a good place. Met my husband, ended up getting married. We met in calculus class. It was uh, really cool. Did you pay uh, attention in calculus class uh, after no. you met him? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, he actually, yeah, no, not really. We have a really cool story of how we met. But anyway, I met him in calculus class. And actually, I met him at the Latino Cultural Center, now that I think about it. They were having some kind of party, the new student week, the, the like first week before classes started. And um, he came and he acted like he knew me and I didn't know him and, you mm, know. Smooth. Yeah, the kids call him a stalker because he, he knew my name and where I lived and because he had seen me somewhere else before. But he said to his friends that he was going to go out with me and what he did is he went back to his room and he started looking for my name and address and everything. But he didn't know who I was. He went to the directory and at that time it was a paper little book it had probably 30,000 names on it because we went to the University of Illinois and then he started looking for Hispanic Latino names and he came to Antonia Hernandez and he said that's her and and he sticks to this story to this day he memorized where I lived and my phone number and my name and closed the book you know I could have been a Martinez or a Zamora or something else but no when he said he came to Antonia Hernandez he said that's her and he closed the book and then we met at the Latino Cultural Center and he acted like he knew me and I didn't know him I didn't remember I had said hello to him anyway long story short we ended up talking we had calculus class together and the rest is history we ended up getting married and he finished he had a mechanical engineering degree and I 
I guess I got my MRS at that time. But um, uh, a couple, two or three kids later, my husband was working for Caterpillar, and then he was transferred here to the West Lafayette area. And So uh, that's what brought you to Purdue. Exactly. And when I saw Purdue, I thought, I can finish. And so my kids were in... Oh, middle school and even high school, and I went back to school. And the, yeah, the rest is history. I, I started taking classes and got my bachelor's degree. And then after I had worked for a little while, then I went back and even got my master's degree, all here. Uh, the bachelor's I got at the time when it was consumer and family sciences, and my master's degree I got in uh, polytechnic and organizational leadership. So. so the moral of the story is go to the Latino cultural center. Yeah, sure. That would be a great place. <laughs> yeah, that has really good memories for me, the one at, at U of I. And actually, the one here is a really good place, too. It's a, real, it's a, it's a home away from home for our students, so it's kind of nice. When I first started working for Purdue, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about the university, about the Polytechnic. I remember I had to write an email that came from your department, and I asked you, what is the Office of Recruitment, Retention, and Diversity? And you said, okay. we help students navigate their path to and through Purdue. And that was so perfect Thanks. that we use it in the emails that we send to students we, who we want to come to the Polytechnic. And we even include your, your photo. There you are. Thanks. <laughs> so in a way, Students have already met you before they have gotten here. What's that like? It's uh, it's cool, but it's kind of scary sometimes because they know who you are, and they'll say hi, Miss Mangia, or hi, Tony, and I. I see so many students and so many people that sometimes I feel bad that I don't know their names. But it is kind of nice. It is nice that that they know who I am, and I like to be that kind of person. I guess that gives information or helps guide them and and give them kind of direction. Because this is really key time in their life, you know? This is a, I, I've said this many times before to students, they are in a critical crossroad in their life. They've left mom and dad for the very first time and they're trying to make their own path. And mom and dad are not here. And so that I can be kind of a little bit of a helper in helping them navigate that path and or that those crossroads is kind of cool. It's kind of nice. My kids are all grown and gone, and so it's like having kids again, and so it's nice. I like that guidance and direction because when you look at your title or the name of your team, uh -huh. the first word is is recruiting, and so I think that someone who doesn't know what the job is about might think. Your job is to be a salesperson. You're going to sell Purdue to high school students and that's sell our product it, and their kinda. customers. <laughs> yeah. And sure, that's part of it. But I really like that because this is how we have always known you working together. Your job is guidance and direction for these fresh, young, mm -hmm. newly independent minds. Yes, yes. And it is. There many times, oh, I don't know if this is what I want to do, you know. Let's take a class or two. Let's see if this is. You can always change your, your, your major. And we get so many students from across campus deciding, oh, I'm not sure that this is where I'm at. Or even from exploratory studies coming in to kind of check and see what we're all about. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Speaking of classes, you teach a class called 
Tech 101. Yes, exploring the possibilities. It's Tech 101, Women in Technology, exploring the possibilities. It's a freshman class. Uh, it's kind of associated with our Women in Technology learning community. And so this year I had 50 uh, freshmen, basically. I think we have a couple of transfer students every once in a while as well. And in this class, we talk about ways to succeed as a female in technology, in the polytechnic, and in the, in the real world. Uh, being a woman in STEM. So we have lots of different uh, alumni that come back and share their story. I try to make it a, a nice blend of younger females who have just graduated, you know, recent alum, and they're kind of fresh in their careers, and they're talking about some of the things that they're doing and some of the things that they're experiencing, as well as very, you might say, professional seasoned women who are vice presidents or presidents of their companies and um, it gives the the young women a really good array of different types of women and and how they they've gotten to where they're at and how they are navigating their world and so it's kind of cool we also talk about gender communication the one the way men and women communicate is is different and for the first time in in these girls lives they're a big minority in their class. Uh, you know, if they're lucky, they might have three or four girls. Sometimes they're only one of them, and or maybe there's only one in their lab. And so they have to know how to communicate with the guys and make sure they're getting uh, enough attention to the material and getting the experiences in the labs, whether it's tinkering time or whatever it may be, and, and how to communicate and learn how the men communicate and how they should communicate and understand their communication if that made any sense. Because we do communicate differently. There's lots of studies out there that have been done on male and female communication. And so I, I want to make sure that they understand and that they, they, they don't misunderstand what the guys are doing or saying, because sometimes that happens. Can you give us an example of that? How, how a man would communicate versus how a woman would? Men, if I remember correctly, men tend to bounce around from subject to subject. There are certain topics that they like to discuss, and I can't remember if it's like business and, and sports and then more personal things, where women like to talk more of the personal, and, and they like to stay on one subject and kind of go with that subject for a while until it's exhausted kind of thing, and the men are opposite. So sometimes our girls would say, but they're not listening to me. They didn't like my idea idea when, yeah, it was just time to move to another idea because they already heard their idea. So they just kind of bounce around. And so they need to just kind of bring their idea back or make sure that their idea is incorporated. So those are some of the differences when they're communicating. We heard a statistic, and I guess we'll ask you to verify that students who attend your seminar, your course, are more likely to stay in our college and finish their degree than students who don't. Is that right? Yeah. And why is that? I don't know exactly why, but I have a guess of some of the different reasons. There is a sense of community right from the start. The women get together. We they have to do besides, you know, having the guest speakers, they have to, you know, do a, a resume writing. Well, they have to they have someone from CCO come in and do a resume writing workshop. They have to go and meet up with a female professor in their department. So they connect 
with a female faculty member right away from the start. There's certain questions that they ask, uh, but that's part of one of their assignments. It's called a professor visitation. Another thing is I want all my women to have a witty sisters mentor. So we partner with the Women in Technology Student Organization, and I ask the students in my class to, to sign up to be a mentee. And so then the Witty Sisters mentors are paired up with the, someone in my class. So I think it's a combination of lots of different things. They, they've got a mentor, they're, they're meeting faculty members in their department, other females that have been successful and that they can connect with, other ladies in their major. One of the assignments in my class is picking a company from the top 100 companies in Working Mothers Magazine. And so there's usually a group of them and I try to pair them up according to their majors. So they select one of these companies that are in the top 100 companies for working mothers. And they have to find out about the company's core values. They have to talk about, find out about you know, the, the, the core business, why working mothers selected them, why they would wanna work there or not work there. They find out about the leadership in this company, all sorts of different things. But the young women have to get together and and discuss and, and they become friends and you know and then a lot of them also live in the learning community and so that's kind of a really good way for them to get to know each other so like I said before there's lots of different reasons that maybe they are being retained they they're connecting with faculty they're connecting with peers they're connecting with upperclassmen and then as part of the learning community, I also have lots of activities that we do with them. So we try to do at least one, one activity a week, try to have lunch with them once a week. We have them come over. We went to Exploration Acres. We uh, go to a play or a convocations event. So we have all sorts of different activities. We went to the music show this year. And you know, again, it builds that community and it and gives them that sense of belonging because I think that's really key is, is they feel like, yes, Purdue is a place for them and, and they belong here. I think last year's class, 97% of the students in the class were retained of the females. When I compared the, the, to the students or the females that weren't in my class, only 88%. And just so retained. that our, our listener understands, by retained you mean stayed in the college for and one year for, after. Okay. Yeah, after they came back for their second year, so that was that first year retention. Young men can take that class as well. Yes. Oh yes, men can take the class, and I've had young men in the class in the past. Uh, one or two. I remember one particularly several years ago. Purdue was very. It was filled and there was no housing available, but I always reserve one room or like one, yeah, one room for a male in case they want to be part. And so we had uh, in the male side one room reserved. And so I had a young man, I think it was his advisor who said, I think women in technology has a, a, a room available. So if you want to join the learning community, and at first he was like, ah, but he did, he signed up for it and then uh, he ended up coming through like one of our programs, the STEM Academic Boot Camp, and he said, "Miss Tony, I don't want to go to that class." I says, "After the first week, I think you're fine. You know, once you're here, they can't kick you out of your res hall. So if you don't want to be part of the class or you feel uncomfortable, you can drop it. It's okay." And anyway, he ended up coming to the class, 
And he ended up loving it because he was able also to share his perspective. I still remember when we did like the gender communication, we talked about how men and women communicate and we talked about tendencies and stereotypes and those types of things. And so he was kind of able to give his perspective, which was kind of nice and, and it was helpful. And like I said, he ended up staying in the class the entire year. But I've had others, sometimes I've had two or three males in, in I think, no, the most I've ever had is two males in the class. So. Yeah, it's okay if they come. Is there a one most typical question that you get from students, whether they're prospective students or current students? And I don't mean a question about logistics of college, like, okay, how much is tuition or how many credit hours do I need for this or the like. But I mean a question that draws on your experience and your wisdom. Oh, that's a good question question that I get asked. <laughs> Something repeatedly that you get asked that you find every time a challenge to answer because it's drawing from inside. It's not just a factual question. What is your most memorable question that anyone's ever asked you or unusual? Yeah, see, the things that come to mind first are what is the polytechnic or why the polytechnic or... Well, how do you answer those questions? I'm always explaining that we're part of Purdue, we're one of the colleges here. You know, we have six departments, 33 majors, and we have a great payoff for our students. You know, they're, they're, they're finding you know, great jobs and things like that. So a lot of the things that I talk about are is the way you learn the experiences and the payoff. And I think the experiences are key too because I think in the Polytechnic we do a really nice job of making sure that our students are connected to their faculty, to the the, 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 the college. I mean, every year we give them an I'm a techie shirt that you guys are all participate in. And so that right away, you know, makes them part of this techie family. And so those are kind of neat things or I think ways to help them know that they're connected to us. Now the question that you ask, difficult things, sometimes parents are concerned. You know, are their students are gonna be successful? You know, or is my student gonna be safe? You know, or is my student, and, and that sometimes is difficult because we can't see their student 24-7. And this is, again, like I said before, a time where they're learning and they're experiencing kind of things for themselves. And so we, we let them know though that there's lots of resources, that our doors are always open, and that if, if their students ever need anything, that we're here for them. And I, I think that's one that makes me feel good. If, And I let them know, especially parents. There are some parents that you connect with more because they call you over and over again. And, um, and, and, and they're just wanting to know, is this the right place for their child? And, and so you get to know the students and then the students feel comfortable with you and then they come in and visit and that kind of stuff, which is nice. But I, I try, and I think everyone in, in our office try to make the students and the parents know that we're available to them no matter what. But we also have great advisors here in the college as well that I think our students can turn to and, and help them with what everyday kind of issues as well. So, yeah. Our guest is Tony Mungia, Director of Recruitment, Retention, and Diversity here in Purdue Polytechnic. And Tony, last year you were the recipient of Purdue's Martin Luther King Jr. Dreamer Award. 
I want to make sure I read the description correctly, presented annually to individuals or organizations within the Purdue community whose contributions embody Dr. King's vision of service to others and furthers the university's commitment to diversity and inclusion. What did it mean to you to have received this award? That was a great honor um, because I do what I do because I love it, you know. I love working with the students. I love having them over. I love, you know, helping and guiding them through, through this this path of, of college. And so, yeah, to be recognized in, in that manner, I thought was was yeah, it was a big honor, and it it was nice. It was nice. That's all I can say. I I love the students. I I love helping them. And, and, and being part of, of their journey here. And so, yeah, being recognized for that was very nice. So to measure diversity in an organization, the obvious answers are statistical. How many underrepresented minorities are part of the organization? Or what is the gender balance between men and women? But how do we go beyond numbers? In other words, I wanna ask your thoughts. What does true diversity mean to you? Diversity, you know, the classic answers it's it's inclusion you know equity uh, making sure that students who need certain things are being provided those things to be successful uh, it is it's a sense of belonging as well and our new pro vice provost says this a lot having that sense that they belong here and that they can call Purdue home or that this is their it's a good fit for them for us I, I think it it's at least for me as well, it's for everyone to feel like the polytechnic is, is part of their home. It's, it's where they belong. So, for example, I am one of the advisors for the Minority Technology Association and Women Technology. And the Minority Technology Association just had their, um, I have a dream wall that they do every year. It's a Martin Luther King with you know, all those things. And they do that every year. And it's not just for diverse students, it's for all students because we all have dreams. We all you know, want to make the world a better place. We all want to graduate or whatever it is that they're you know, going through, whatever that dream may be. And so to have that sense that we're all part of a big family and all of us are needed to, to continue to go forward, to be successful, to, and, and we all have something to contribute. So it's not just I'm black or I'm Hispanic or I'm whatever. I am a student at the Polytechnic with these ideas and with these, these things to bring to the table or to the world or whatever it may be. And, and I think that's, that's the key thing is that everyone feels that they, they belong and they have something to contribute and they're recognized for that contribution in the classroom, as a faculty member, as, as whatever it may be that they're in, that they, they're respected for who they are and what they bring, no matter what that is. What is a practical thing that any of us could do, whether faculty, staff, or student, to help the people next to us feel that sense of belonging? Sometimes, you know, we get busy in our lives and we get going and we don't stop. And sometimes it's what, to smell the flowers or whatever it is. But, you know, saying hello to someone, hey, introducing yourself, uh, being cordial and being kind and uh, helping each other out. 
not assuming this student is here because they're Hispanic or black or whatever. As an instructor or as another student, know that everybody has that part to contribute and letting them, asking them, hey, will you be part of my group? Being inclusive and, and yeah, asking them to be, because sometimes when you're the only one, it can be scary. Uh, when you're the only female, when you're the only African-American, when you're the only Latino in the class, most of our students really have to be uh, confident, a little assertive because, you know, they may be, we don't know everything that they may encounter. So if you are part of the majority, may, be welcoming and, and be kind and, and make them feel welcome and make, make sure that they under, know that they belong. Tony, looking back over your career, can you tell us about one student who you've made uh, a meaningful connection with? who you've perhaps kept in touch with over the years? Just one? Um, I have many. That's neat. That's really neat. Really. Uh, just the other day, I had a student that graduated in 2008, and she, she was going to be here on campus, and she called me. 2008, that's 10 years ago. And she said, you know, I'm going to be, I think she, she was going to a football game or something. And I said, oh, definitely, let's have lunch or let's meet. And then I got her to come to my class. And so it was just really, really cool. But I've been invited to students' weddings. I've been invited to, oh, I have a son that lives in Houston. And I have one of my favorite students. And I mean, but there's lots of them. And I was able to call her and say, hey, I'm in Houston visiting my son. Can we get together? And we had dinner together. And it was just, it was just awesome, awesome, awesome. But yeah, I've got, lots of those students and it's really cool to see students that have come to our like total camp team camp over the summer when they were seventh and eighth graders and then they you know they're here they end up applying or they actually come then to do it in vision and then they apply they're admitted and then they're in my class and so you build that relationship and it's just and then yeah then they graduate and get married and so you feel like yeah, I feel kind of like their Purdue mom in a way. I feel like, yeah, they're part of my kids. It's cool. That's fantastic. Tony, you've spent most of your career as a Boilermaker. Yes. You're pretty, whether studying or working in the various roles you've had on campus. Yes. What's your favorite thing about Purdue? Why do you get up in the morning and come into work with a smile on your face as you always do? What motivates you to keep doing that after all these years on campus? Because I feel like I make a difference. This is a tough question. Um, yeah, I love what I do, and I'm thinking about retirement, believe it or not. And so I told my kids just recently, I said, I think it's gonna be hard to retire because I love what I do. I love you know, the students, I love making a difference in their life. I love when they come over and say, hey, Miss Tony, how you doing? Sometimes I get little notes from, from someone say, I stopped by to say, hi, how are you, Miss Tony, or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, you've, you've, you've made lifelong friends. You've made a difference for people forever, kind of. So I think that's why. And yeah, I'm a Boilermaker true and true. One of my sons um, says it, said it best. He, uh, he was, we've lived here for a long time. And when, when he was, I think, a teenager, probably 13, 14 years old, he said, 
Oh, his cousin went to Michigan and invited him to go to the Michigan-Ohio State game. That's a big game. And my son said he was at the game and he looked around and he said, I don't care who wins. It doesn't matter. I love Purdue. I'm a Boilermaker. And that's when he realized that he wanted to come to Purdue because it didn't matter what, which of those teams won. But for Purdue, it did matter. So that's kind of, and I think that's it. Yeah, I am a Boilermaker and I, I love Purdue. Tony Mungia earned a bachelor's degree in individual and family studies in 1999 and a master's in organizational leadership in 2013, both from Purdue. In 2000, she joined the university's staff as assistant director of admissions. She later served for nearly 11 years as Purdue's director of diversity programs. And in early 2015, Tony joined us here in Purdue Polytechnic as director of recruitment, retention, and diversity. Learn more about Tony by going online to polytechnic.purdue.edu slash techies today and look for the hot links under episode 14. Next on the podcast, James Letzinger, a 2013 graduate of our Construction Management Technology Program. James has been overseeing construction of the Engineering and Polytechnic Gateway Complex, the state-of-the-art $140 million facility that opens in January 2023. That's next. Techies Today is produced at Purdue University in Purdue Polytechnic's Office of Marketing Communications. The college is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at TechPurdue. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at Techies Today. We welcome your comments. Send email to techiestoday at purdue.edu. Our executive producer is Melissa Templeton. I'm John O., the podcast's editor and producer. Thank you for listening. That's what's happening for Techies Today.